needed. Hallelujah. Amen. Just Dusty, if you could help us in the back. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, in darkness tries to hide. Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all we'll see, how great, how great is our God.
be seated. Uh, you all know me by now. I'm probably going to tell some stories along the way, so I'm good to take a seat. Um, yesterday, well, first of all, I'll start off. It's not Biker Sunday, but we, we're going to take some, some pictures today. If you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it is a wonderful ministry. Um, it's about being set free. If you haven't ever been here on a Tuesday night, I would I would just say you need to show up at some point. Sometimes you come to church, this is nothing against any of you personally, but sometimes you come to church, you're like, ah, I don't know if they know Jesus or not. You come on a Tuesday night, you see people who have been saved. You meet them, you interact with them. And I love being there because it's like, there's no doubt, right? They know what they've been saved from and they know what Jesus has done. Broken Chains is a is a uh, a ministry of Celebrate Recovery. Uh, Ray did tell me I had to wear a shirt under my vest this week, so especially because especially during prayer time. But um, yesterday, while a few of us were at 
uh, district assembly in Lakeland. A couple of guys, they were out in Eustace, praying with people, being missionaries to our community, to the people in our state. Had a lot of prayer time, right? Um, pray, yeah, exactly. Praise God for the work you're doing, getting your feet dirty, opening your mouths, praising God openly, publicly. Uh, I, I'd love to see that. And we've got Justin and Jilly in the hospital. It's about to have their third, their third daughter. We pray for them. We praise God for new life. But at the same time, yesterday on the way home from Lakeland, I stopped at the VA in Orlando because our brother Kevin is there, um, who was just here a few weeks ago. He was, he's a bringer, had someone with him. And um, as new life is, is coming into this world, uh, an old friend is now uh, on his way to be with Jesus. And it's hard. It's hard to be there. And you pray for healing, but you just like, God, I know the battle isn't always won physically. But to be with a guy who is losing a battle to cancer and have him praise Jesus and thank Jesus and say, God, I'm yours eternally. I can't wait to be made whole again. There is something special and touching in those moments. Let us all take that posture as we know that God holds us forever and loves us forever. And death has been defeated. It's only been a week ago that we celebrated that, but it passes so quickly in our memories. Death has been defeated. We don't have to fear it. So let's pray together. Father, we, man, we love you. And I want to say, first of all, God, we want you here. We desire you here with us. We ask you to be here with us. We know that you are, but Lord, we really, this might be selfish, but sometimes we just want to feel you, God. We know that whether we feel you, you are here with us. You say you're here with us. You love us eternally. And God, I pray for this young mother and young child, this young child making her way into the world today. And I pray for our friend Kevin, who's about to, man, I'm a bit jealous of the guy, to sit with you, Father. But I thank you for his witness in this hospital. But I do pray for comfort in his life. I pray for a relief from some of this pain. And Lord, uh, help me in my disbelief. But I also want to pray for healing. As I know the testimony that would come from that would just be amazing. And as I heard someone say yesterday, they'll immediately praise you, God. There will be no doubt that you did it and the world around will know. Lord, we kneel before you, the creator of life, the conqueror of death. We praise you and we seek you. And Lord, we need you here right now. We praise you in all things and we just look forward to more of this adventure with you, God. In your name, amen. Um, my name's Garen. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't had a chance to, to meet you personally, and I'd love to, and along with Jason and Jen and Justin and Tim, our online pastor, uh, we serve you. Our job is to equip you so that you can do the work of the kingdom, and it is an honor. And so uh, I have the chance. I don't get to do this normally. I get the chance to lead us in the section where we're passing our peace. And so um, I'm going to ask you to stand because now that uh, less of us are masking, we can get up and move around. This is an important part of our worship. It would be very easy to quickly say, shake hands with five people and we're going to keep trucking. However, if we don't get the relationship with us and God and with each other right, we're not really living into the kingdom, are we? And so we see this as an act of worship where we can say, we want you to have the peace of Christ today. We want it to be so in your life that it just saturates everything you say and everything you do. Because we believe that the peace of Christ is what we all need a little bit of right now.
right? In this climate that we're in, with wars and rumors of more wars and, well, just a bunch of mess. What we really need is a little bit more peace, don't we? So, I am probably the first to say to you, I hope not, but if I am, let me extend, may the peace of Christ be with you today. Thanks. Will you take a few moments and pass that peace with those around you? I didn't even make it around to this side, so. We, we take extra time. We take extra time because we see this as an act of worship. I've got a couple of announcements, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have some news to share pretty soon. The first one is try five. Try, do our try five challenge. If you're visiting with us, we encourage you, try five. We went to a restaurant Thursday after Emma's concert, and we've been there before, and we've had good experiences and bad experiences, and it could be very easy to just never go there because we had a bad experience, but we went back and we tried it again. We had great experiences there, and so we went back and tried it again. The point is, it's always a little bit different. You know what? Let's just be honest. The same is, same is with us. We're going to have different band members. We're going to have different style of music from week to week. We're going to have different preachers from week to week. And so we encourage you, try five. We think that there may be something here for you. And if after five weeks of trying us, you think, now this isn't the church for me, we will help you find the right church. Because we want you to be plugged into a community. We'd love for it to be here, but we want you to be plugged into the body of Christ somewhere. And we know lots of pastors around town, and so we'll help you find the right place. But try five. So that's your challenge, if you're visiting with us or just starting to come here. The second announcement I have is... Oh, tonight. I keep waiting. I keep waiting to see if you're going to pop up a picture, so that's why I wasn't... All right. No, I just wasn't... I didn't know if I should lead you or if you would lead me. This is how we do it, y'all. Um, tonight, tonight, I want to invite you to a great thing. We talked about it last week for just a minute, but tonight... Jason, our very own Jason that you know and love, Biker Jason is going to be speaking. <laughs> Tricycle Jason will be at Deland Church, which is only about like 20 minutes away. 
And he's going to be talking about some of the things that brought him to Florida and some of the visions that he has for what God wants to do in the church. And so we're going to be, I'm going to be there. I hope that you'll be there too to come and hear Jason at Deland. It's at six o'clock tonight and we can get you the address if you can't read that. It's, or you can just Google it. Uh, the third thing we have is, oh, I keep waiting. I keep, all right, all right, all right. The third thing is, <laughs> y'all, it's not every day that somebody has a baby in our church, so we're just excited. The third thing is, we are entering into a church-wide season of prayer. And it's starting May 1st, going through June 5th. And we want to take time to refocus and pray. Because we believe that, well, I like what Oswald Chambers says, prayer isn't preparation for the work, prayer is the greater work. And so we want to pray. We want to pray for protection, and we want to pray for guidance, and we want to pray for direction in our church, in our lives, and in our city. And so I'm inviting you to join me and pray May 1st through June 5th. I'll send out something on our Wednesday email and, our, and on our Facebook. But I want to invite you, Wednesday nights from 7 to 8, we'll be meeting corporately here. And then I want to invite you to also set an alarm on your phone every day to take time to pray. Um, I, I'm going to set mine at 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock. Because James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom... Ask God. And so I'm going to be setting two alarms a day at 1 o'clock and at 5 o'clock. And wherever I'm at, I'm just going to stop and take a moment. And I'm going to pray for our church. And I'm going to pray for you as you come to my mind. And I'm going to pray for direction. I'm going to pray for safety. And I'm going to pray that God's will comes and that the kingdom advances in Port Orange as it is in heaven. And I encourage you to find some way to every day spend time in prayer. And join me on Wednesday nights and we'll be praying here collectively. Uh, the last thing is our good neighbor offering, and most of you know Susie Miguel is on day 37 of being in the hospital, and our good neighbor offering this month is going to help Susie and Miguel Rodriguez um, kind of offset some of those costs. Thank you. You have given and given and given above tithes, above offerings, above different things you have given and given, and I'm asking you to continue to give and help Susie and Miguel uh, for those of you that don't know, Susie is our director of our preschool, and she keeps this place humming. She just keeps it running like a boss, and so we want to bless her and bless Miguel in this time. And then, do we have it? Do we have it? Okay, well then, we'll, we'll show a picture later of, of the new baby. But I think that's it for us now, and uh, Jason, you're up. Sorry about that. I was, I was kind of stalling, hoping that we'd have a picture of a new baby. And, and let me see what I can do while Jason is helping with offering. I'm a pretty good drawer. Well, as we come to time of, of offering, this time I say, hey, God wants you tied so we can keep this place running. But I have something even better for you because there is something better for us. And that is our life as an offering. So uh, we, we've got a, a, a DS here on this district who yesterday brought in one of my favorite modern writers uh, in, uh, in, the, in the church world. His name is Brad Briscoe. And he put up some stuff yesterday that I think is very relevant to us and our lives as offerings. So I want you to think beyond money and think about your life as an offering. And for this sake right here, he put, I'm going to read two th- slides that I actually took pictures of and I'll read them off. He started off by saying, remember, it is we who are sent, who are the sent people of God, which will sometimes mean we must go to where people are. If we fail to go to the people, then to encounter the gospel meaningfully, they must come to us. This is the inbuilt assumption of the many churches. And it requires that the non-believer do the cross-cultural work to find Jesus and not, not us. Meaning, it is a very different culture here for someone on the outside to come into here. It is a weird place for them, you know? It's a weird place for some of us to be here. Don't say amen. But then he says this, and this is, this is the kicker that got me. It is so simple. 
and I can't believe I never thought of it in these terms, but it made more sense than anything I heard all day. And make no mistake, for many people just coming to a church service, that means for many people out there to just step in foot in here, involves some serious cross-cultural work. When we ask them to come to us, we are in essence asking them to be the missionaries. Isn't that crazy to think that we are asking non-believers to be missionaries when we say, hey, show up to us on Sunday morning? I, as a former cross-cultural missionary to other countries, that hit me especially hard. I was like, man, I would never expect someone to say, hey, I'm going to change my way of life just to go in and try to figure out what Jesus is. So in our offering of our lives serving Jesus, are we asking others to be the missionaries to us? Or maybe God is saying, on top of what it does to keep this stuff going on Sundays and throughout the week, our lives as a living sacrifice going to those who don't understand us and loving them. That is an offering worth uh, you can't even count. That is priceless. So let's pray together and ask God to just bless our lives and our offerings. Father, we, we thank you. You are the ultimate offering giver. And so I, I pray that you bless uh, the monies that we give. But Lord, I pray that you activate us so that our lives are living offerings that we don't ask the non-believer to be a missionary to us to find out what the good news is, that we say, Lord, take my life, send me, use me to, to just share that good news and let that be a worthy offering to you, Lord. We praise you, the, uh, the one that just blesses us more than we could ever imagine. In your name, amen. So we are in this uh, season of Eastertide, um, and Easter spans from now until Pentecost, so continued Happy Easter. Um, and I just, we just got a picture of baby Cordero. I don't even have the weights or anything, but the newest soon-to-be member of P.O. Naz, there she is, and I'm trying to see... Justin, correct me if I say it wrong. Her name is Yaslin. Yaslin Cordero. Isn't she great? Mom and baby are healthy, so that's good. That's good. So last week, we celebrated the resurrection, and we had the passage with Mary coming to the tomb, if you'll recall. And if you'll remember, I said, it's okay if you're not quite sure about all of this. If you'll recall, I said, it's okay, even if you have some doubts or some questions, and that we are a church that believes that you are welcome here, even in your confusion. That you belong here. That it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. It's okay even if you haven't made that decision to turn your life over to Christ yet. We believe that you belong here because we also believe that as you are here and as you learn about Jesus, that your belonging will turn to believing and that your believing will create becoming in your life as Jesus transforms you. And 
we were starting Matthew chapter 6. We've been in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we were going to start the Lord's Prayer. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount. Goodness, we did it about eight months last year, and we only got through chapter 5. But I wanted to circle back around before we move to Matthew 6 and just talk about doubts. I wanted to finish the chapter because that's where we have the passage that's titled Doubting Thomas and things like that. And so I wanted to be sure before we move on that I didn't shortchange John chapter 20. So you'll recall that last week we had Mary and she she saw Jesus and Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to tell. Go and tell. There's a twofold command. Go and tell. And that we are called also to go and tell. And immediately following that, we get John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. So we'll have it up on the screen. If you can read along with me, that'd be great. That Sunday evening, which would be Easter Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them his wounds in his hand and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Sounds similar to what he told Mary previously, doesn't it? I'm sending you. Go and tell. Then he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, one of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, which I have a feeling he would much rather be called the twin than Doubting Thomas. Much cooler nickname, being the twin. Well, he wasn't with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my finger into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. So eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them and the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace. Be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus, I pray that you open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as we have read scriptures and we will be proclaiming your word, that we'll hear something new from you today. Open our hearts and our minds. We're listening. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, before we... um, Before we go too far, I think it's worth noting, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about Thomas, but the disciples also had their struggles, didn't they? I mean, we find the disciples in an upper room. We find them behind closed doors. We find them afraid. We find them confused. They don't know what's going on. I mean, Peter and John have come back and they've said, I don't know what's happened, but the tomb is empty. I can verify that. And then we have Mary that said, I've seen the Lord, but she can't say much else other than, He said he's ascending and coming. I I don't know, but I saw him. So it's no wonder that maybe they were hiding in the upper room. It's no wonder that they were afraid. They'd spent the last three years giving their lives to this Jesus. And they thought that this Jesus was going to be a certain way. And then he ended up being not at all like they had thought. He ended up being more than they could have ever, ever hoped. But they didn't realize that yet. All they knew was that the Jesus that they had followed for three years was crucified. The Jewish, the Jewish religious leaders had Jesus killed 
by using the Roman Empire's methods to do it. So yeah, I can understand exactly why they would be a little bit afraid. And then Scripture says, Jesus is there. Have you had those moments where you're afraid, you don't know what's going on, you're confused, and then all of a sudden, you just sense Jesus is there. It's interesting, when I have those moments, you know what comes over me? This overwhelming sense of peace. So, we see Jesus with them, and, and, and they see Jesus, and they hear Jesus, and they felt the breath of Jesus. Can you imagine what it's like? They're in this room, and it's stale, and they're all in there, and they're afraid, and then they sense this different breathing in the room. And it's Jesus. And they received from him peace. I think what was happening for them I think those disciples needed to believe that the same Jesus that was standing in front of them that Easter evening was the same Jesus that had called them to follow him, that had called them by name. It was the same Jesus that night, that Easter, that was performing the miracles in front of them. It was the same Jesus that washed their feet. It was the same Jesus that called them to love one another. And once they saw that it's this same Jesus that's before them now that was the Jesus that we've always known, once they heard His voice, once they saw Him, their doubts were removed and they believed. Thomas, however, didn't get the memo. And he wasn't there. I don't know what he was doing. Scripture doesn't say, but he wasn't with them when all this was happening. Don't you hate it when you miss the party? It's like, who did what? He, what? And then as with so many things that seem too good to be true, you know, well, we know the phrase, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. That's not the case here, but I can understand how Thomas would feel that way because I feel that way a lot of times. So Thomas doesn't have the memo, and... John, bless his heart, labels him as, you know, doubting Thomas. And let's be fair to Thomas. All this week I've really struggled with poor Thomas because that's how Thomas was in this moment, but that's not how Thomas was the entire time that he was with Jesus. He wasn't doubting Thomas the entire time. In fact, if you look at John chapter 11, he might have been called Courageous Thomas. Let me set the story up. So, Jesus is going to Lazarus. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is dead, and he says, we're still going there. Don't you worry. And Thomas says, hey, let's go with Jesus and die with him. That doesn't sound like a doubter. Now, why is he saying that? Well, if you look in the previous chapter, Jesus is preaching and he's proclaiming the word and the people want to stone him. So anywhere you went with Jesus, you knew there were people that were going to love him and there were people that were going to hate him. And the people that loved him really loved him. And that's all nice. But the people that hated him, they got cranky. They didn't like Jesus to the point that they were willing to kill him. And you have Thomas who's willing to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Let's go with him even if we die. So although we call him Doubting Thomas, maybe in that passage he should have been called Courageous Thomas. Let's look a little farther. In John 14, we have this discourse where Jesus is talking in the upper room and he's talking to them. And he's telling them things. And he says, hey, I'm going away soon. Because Jesus knew that the hour had come. And he says, I'm going away, but you know the way to where I'm going. Now, we don't know if Jesus is referring to the fact that he often said, I am the way, the truth and life. And he says, you know the way. We don't know if that's what was going on. But we understand that Thomas didn't get it because he's standing there and he's only thinking in the moment. and He's only thinking of the literal and he's not seeing the big picture. And at that point, perhaps Thomas isn't the doubting Thomas that we call him. 
Maybe he's more the confused Thomas. And he looks at Jesus and he says, we don't have a clue where you're going. How are we going to follow you if we don't know where you're going? So I say all that just to say that maybe we give Thomas a bad rap. Maybe, well, maybe we shouldn't label him by his worst moment. Aren't you glad that you're not labeled by Jesus for your worst moment? Aren't you glad that you can have ups and downs and God doesn't categorize you by your worst thoughts or your worst moments? I was in a, a seminar a couple of weeks ago and the guy said, I'm not a picture. I'm a movie. Don't judge me by the snapshot that you see right at that moment. I am so much more than that. And so, although at that moment, in that upper room, Thomas is doubting, I think it's not really fair to dub him as a doubter the entire life. He's growing. He's changing. We can't define anyone by their one weakest moment. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus the ever-patient one, he does something wonderful. If I had been Jesus, you know what I would have done? Thomas, I heard what you said. That's all you get. No, I wouldn't have done that. I don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't have done what Jesus did, though. He didn't chastise him. He didn't look down on him. He doesn't reprimand Thomas. Instead, he says, in essence, you need more than second-hand knowledge of me. And I understand. Because I want this to be real for you. And I don't condemn you. Jesus didn't exclude him because he had doubts. Instead, how Jesus handled his doubts was he gave him what he needed to overcome his doubt. And that's what Jesus does for all of us. And it looks different for each of us because we're all in different places. We have different backgrounds. We're carrying baggage that I have baggage that you don't have and vice versa. Aren't you thankful that Jesus comes to you where you are in your situation and caters exactly to what you need to give you firsthand knowledge that he is alive? It's like a doctor. A doctor takes each patient individually and he gives them what they need for their healing i would hate it if i went to a doctor and i was having a pain in my side and he said well the last person i saw i gave them antibiotics for their toe so let's see if the antibiotics work for you no i want a doctor that's going to meet my need where i'm at with my problems and he's going to help me get better and help me find healing that's what i want in a doctor and i'm thankful that jesus mm, that's exactly what Jesus does. I know you're struggling with this addiction. I want to meet you where you are. I know you're struggling to forgive this person. I want to meet you where you are. I know that you have pain in your life. I want to meet you where you are. Jesus meets us individually where we are. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that you have a Savior that knows you so well that He knows what you need even before you know what you need? And the goal is healing. The goal is that you will believe. The goal is that you believe. That's what the entire book of John is about. You want to summarize the whole book of the Bible in a pretty simple sentence? The goal is that you Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me prove it to you very shortly. John talks about believing all the time. John talks about believing more than anyone else in the Bible. John 1, 12. But all, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to be called children of God. John three sixteen. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes... In him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 5, 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They'll never be condemned for their sins. 
But they've already passed from death to life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus told her, this is the passage where he's talking with Martha at Lazarus' tomb. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. John 20, 27. This is the passage that we read. Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound of my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then just in case there's any doubt, at least in my Bible, the very title before verses 30 and 31 says, Purpose of the Book. So, lest you think I was a genius, John pretty much spelled it out. The purpose of this book, the disciples saw Jesus do other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. I could go on and on and on. The books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other Gospels, have roughly 36 times where they use the word believe. John uses it over 100 times. John wants you to believe. John makes it clear that it's okay if you have doubts. It's okay if you don't have it all figured out. If you can figure out God, then I think your God is too small and it's probably not the living God. So it's okay that there are questions. It's okay that we don't get everything. That's where faith steps in. It's my prayer that we will believe. And that's the question before you. And it's a question if you don't know Jesus, but it's also a question to re-ask yourself even if you have walked with Jesus. Is this still true in my life? Is this still something I can anchor my hopes upon? Am I living with Jesus and do I still have this first-hand knowledge that He is alive because of what He's doing in my life? Do I still believe? Do I believe? I'm not saying that you're 100% doubt-free. I'm not saying that you don't have any questions. I'm saying, do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you believe that He rose from the dead? thankful that God doesn't expect us to simply rely on secondhand knowledge. Jesus comes to us and says, decide for yourself if you will believe I am who I say I am. So once again, I say, if you're not sure yet, you belong here. We're going to explore this Jesus more every week. And we want you to join us on the journey. Maybe you say, it just doesn't make sense. I heard a quote one time and he said, I'm a follower of Jesus. Does everything make sense now? Absolutely not. But more makes sense with Jesus than without Jesus. So maybe... You can be like the man in Mark 9 if you're still not sure. And you can say, um, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I, I, I think it pleases you that I want to please you. Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Those parts of my life that I'm still struggling with, help me surrender to you. So here's what we're going to do. I've asked Angela just to sing that refrain uh, from, from the song that we sang earlier. I want to give you time to pray. So go ahead. If you want to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to action. I'm going to challenge you to exhibit praise right now. Remember, praise is external. I can't praise for you. Maybe you're saying, hey, I've, I, this is only my second or third week here. I don't know what I believe. But I want to believe. I'm going to encourage you. You belong. 
And maybe, maybe you want to just take that next step of faith and talk with Pastor Jason or, or talk with myself or pull someone aside and say, hey, I want to believe. Tell me more because I'm right there. Maybe you want to come down to the altars. We have these altars in front of us and um, they're just made of wood and cloth, but there is something otherly that happens in this space. Because this is where we posture ourselves before our God and we kneel. And there's something about our posture that shapes the way we pray. Maybe you want to come down and pray. I also want to give you, maybe you've walked with Jesus for years and you say, yes, I made that decision. I believe. I'm going to encourage you. Maybe you want to stand and say, I still believe. It's still true for me. I wouldn't change anything. It doesn't mean I have it all figured out, but it means I trust Jesus more than I trust my doubts because He is the one that gives life. He's the one that saves. He's the one that forgives. He is the one that transforms me. He's the one that makes me new. I still believe. You want that first-hand proof? I love how last Sunday we sing, we sing, you ask me how I know He lives because I have first hand proof. He lives within my heart. So Angela is going to sing that refrain once or twice. If you want to stand, if you want to come and pray, I encourage you to find some way of showing, of just saying, Jesus, I believe. I'm going to be down at the altar because that's where I pray best. I encourage you just to find a posture of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this time. God, I thank you that you don't expect us to clean up our mess before we come to you. We belong. Before we make that first step, before we make that decision, you are seeking us. Your provenient grace is going before and it's working on our hearts and it's changing us and it's shaping us into people that are ready to receive your forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you did on the cross. Thank you, Father, for raising Christ from the dead so that we not only have victory over sin, but we have victory over death. And you are Christ the victor. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating the birth of the church and you're coming upon the people 2,000 years ago. But Jesus, your spirit is here right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way that you work and move in our hearts. And I pray that you will help us. Help us in our belief to grow and be transformed. Help us in our unbelief to watch in wonder as you reveal yourself. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name.
this, uh, this Sunday after we celebrate the risen Lord, I'm always in a dilemma about communion. Because it's kind of like that. You ever play that game, like, would you rather? And it's kind of like, would you rather eat at Golden Corral every day for the rest of your life or never go again? It's a, you're not sure. Well, I am always in a dilemma of, do I want to be there with the disciples, breaking bread with Jesus as he announces to them, my body is going to be broken for you, my blood shed for you, or, I just got goosebumps talking about this, do I want to be there when Jesus shows up afterward? I always said I would preach a sermon on this. I haven't figured out how yet, but Luke 24 is one of my favorite uh, fun verses of the Bible. Where Jesus shows up and they're like, whoa, Jesus is here. And you know what he says to them? His very, very important words. Do you have anything to eat? Jesus got together with them right after he was risen. And said, hey, remember we just we broke bread, drank the, uh, the old grape juice just the other day. And guess what? Hey, if you don't have one of these, uh, grab one. I'll grab one for you. So Jesus said to him, he said, peel the the top plastic layer off of your elements. But he said, remember last week? Remember my bones were crushed. And they were crushed for you. But you know what? He said, I have crushed death. Man, I think that this would have been my favorite time eating with Jesus as I knew that he, I didn't have to worry anymore. I wasn't scared about what was going to happen because he defeated it and he just showed up and said, hey, do you guys have anything to eat here? I'm alive. I'm well. So let's eat and remember how he crushed death. But then he said, hey, wait, there's more. You guys know all about blood sacrifices and the the atonement for sins and the stuff that you guys used to do. But he said, I am the last sacrifice ever needed. My blood was shed for you. And you know what? I'm here with you still. I have not just defeated death. You have been made clean. You have been made whole. You're mine forever. There's no more guilt. There's no more fear. You are as white as snow. And at that point, I imagine, you ever watch those shows where the parents are out of town, all the kids get together in someone's house, and the lights are flashing, and they're all jumping up and down, going crazy? I think the disciples kind of had a a flip-out party moment at that point, as they just said, Jesus has done it. So let's eat. And let's drink in remembrance and in the knowledge of this great time with him. Father, I can't do anything other than thank you. Thank you for your promise of life, for the forgiveness of sins, and for, wow, we get to spend eternity with you, Lord. I don't know what else there is besides that. So I thank you for all that you are and all you've done and praise you eternally. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction. um, And this is our heartfelt prayer. So if you're visiting, just enjoy it, uh, hopefully. Uh, And if you're a regular, sing it out. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in the grace and peace of Jesus and believe. We'll see you next Sunday.